Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Hello to everyone at our Philly campus, all of our online family. God bless you. So excited to now open the Word of God. We're going to be starting a new series today. And we're going to be looking at five different messages from 1 John. 1 John is towards the latter part of the New Testament. It was written by John. John is known in the scriptures as one who loved God in a deep way. He's known as the apostle that really loved the Lord. And um, by the way, Chris... Did we recognize my son and daughter-in-law? You know what? My son, who lives in Dallas, flat lever, picked up and moved to Texas, <laughs> took three grandkids with him. But he and his lovely wife, who he met here when he was like 10, maybe, seven, he wanted to marry her since he was 12. We were like, cool your jets, boy. <laughs> But here they are. Come on, stand up, Tommy and Philly. Olympia. Woo! So cool to be with our grandkids. And I have no idea where I'm in my sermon, but here we go. Amen. We're so happy that they're here. Okay, here we are. So I want to start by reading what I believe are the main verses of 1 John. 1 John uh, verses 3 and 4. They actually set the tone for the whole message. Can we put those up? Okay, so look at what the Bible says here. What we have seen and heard, we announce to you also, so that, everyone will say, so that. That's why I believe that this is the purpose of the book. So that you will join with us in the fellowship, everyone say fellowship, in the fellowship that we have with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this in order that our joy, and when He says our joy, He's not talking about just their joy. He's talking about our joy, joy in Philly, joy in Chicago, joy wherever you are. We write this so that our joy may be complete. One of the things that John is saying is one of the keys to joy, a big source of joy, the main source of joy in this life comes from fellowship with God. And when we learn how to fellowship with God, it's amazing how durable, it's amazing how strong, it's amazing how clear, it's amazing how calm we can remain in the midst of a crazy life. Why? Because we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son as it's facilitated by the Holy Spirit. Fellowship is the key to joy. And let me tell you something. You never have more true joy than when you're fellowshipping with God. And so the title of this series is going to be Keys 
to fellowship. We're gonna be going over the different keys to fellowshipping with God. Does anybody here wanna be close to God? Could I see your hands? Come on, put your hands together if, you've, if you wanna be close to God. In Philadelphia, if you wanna be close to God, you have to fellowship with God. And I was, as I was preparing this and praying about it, one of the things that I kept thinking about was how I want you to know how to be a Christian. See, we become a Christian by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But how do you be all day long? How do you, how do you walk with God? Well, you do it by fellowshipping with him. The way you grow with God is not by learning rules and regulations and, and going to church X amount of times a week, all of which are important and necessary, but the real key to growing in your relationship with God is that you learn how to fellowship with Him. It actually reminds me of a verse in Genesis. Before you put this up, can I tell you something? Since I first gave my heart to the Lord, and I read this verse, it made me jealous. I, I have a, every time I read this, I have an envious response to this verse in the best sense of the word. And, and you know, sometimes you read about the great things that David did and you're like, man, Lord, I wish I could be like that. Or you read about, uh, 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 about uh, Joseph, man, Lord, make me like Joseph. Or Daniel, man, or Moses. But this verse above all, is the one I wish I could be like. And it's never changed serving God for going on close to 40 years. But listen to this. It's one verse, but it's so powerful. Uh, Genesis 5, uh, 24 says this. Enoch spent his life in, everyone, three words, fellowship with God. And then he disappeared because God took him away. He walked with God, and when I get to heaven, I want them to roll the tape. You know, if they have, if they have a game film here on earth, I know that they're gonna have film of the great exploits of the people of God. When I get to heaven, after I say hi to everyone, I wanna go into the film room, and I wanna look at the life of Enoch. I wanna know, how did he do that? What did he do? That pleased God so much that God just took him. I want to learn those secrets. But we know there was something about him living like we are, but he had a connection to God. He fellowshiped with him in a deep and in a very, very powerful way. So before we pray... Listen very closely in, in, in Philly. Before we pray, today's message is one of those messages that I wanna make sure you take in the right way, okay? Because today's message, when, it, when, uh, when I start to unpack it, you're going to potentially, if, if you get tempted to be uncomfortable, don't be uncomfortable. Okay, so like, what's he gonna talk about now? <laughs> okay, so key number one, the way to really grow and develop your fellowship with God 
it, it's all based on your light sensitivity. And so the title of today's message is How's Your Light Sensitivity? How do you, how do you uh, relate to not physical light, but spiritual light? So let's read the whole thought today. 1 John 1, beginning with verse 3, says this. What we have seen and heard, we announce to you also, so that you will join with us in the fellowship that we have with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this in order that our joy may be complete. And I'm telling you right now, when you fellowship with God, your joy is complete. Fellowship with God, more than any pleasure, more than any accomplishment, more than, than any relationship, more than, than any purchase, none of those things even come close to bringing you joy like fellowship with God. So listen to what it says. Now the message that we heard from his son and announced uh, and announce is this. God is light and there is no darkness at all in him. If then we say that we have fellowship with him yet at the same time live in the darkness, we are lying both in our words, and in our actions. All right, so this is so direct that it could make some of us uh, uh, uncomfortable, but don't be uncomfortable today. What I want you to do is to listen to what this means. Sometimes when we read the Bible, it feels like God is coming at you. He's not coming at you. This message is all about keys to fellowship. Everything that I'm saying right now, I'm saying because, and the word of God is saying, why? Because God wants to fellowship with us. So let's do this before we keep going, right? Oh, I gotta finish, I, got, I didn't finish the last verse. Hold on a second. I've read this a few times, so I've gone through it. So listen, so it says, but if we live in the light, just as he is in the light, then, everyone say then. Yes. Look, then we have fellowship with one another, not just with the Father and the Son, but even with one another. Real relationships, the best relationships, they all are lived out in the light, in spiritual light. And then it says, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from every sin. That's why God's not coming at you. He's coming for you. He's coming to cleanse and refresh and renew. Could we say amen to that? Hallelujah. So let me pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. We are one church in two cities. And God, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is in Philadelphia, the Holy Spirit is here, and with every person that's watching online or even will watch online, you are right there with them. And God, we thank you for the book of 1 John because it was written, oh God, uh, specifically so that we could learn how to be close to you, how to walk with you, and how to experience the joy that only comes from you, Lord Jesus. So Lord, would you bless this word and would you bless our hearts and our minds to receive? Oh God, we're talking about spiritual light, not physical light, God. So open our spirits 
and help us to understand the spirit realm at a different level in a new, the new dimensions of the spirit realm, which are marked, oh God, by your light. Bless this word now, by your mighty power, in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Fellowship is based on light sensitivity. You've got to be in spiritual light if you want to have connection with God. Now, let me just define spiritual light because it's not physical light. Spiritual light is the holy illuminating nature of God which consists of all purity and contains nothing impure. There is not one shred, ounce, scintilla drop of impurity in God. There's no drop of evil in him. There's no drop of malice in him. There's no drop of darkness in him. He is perfectly pure perfectly holy. He is loving and well-intentioned and well-meaning towards every person on the planet. And even those who would experience eternal judgment, it's because they did not receive his non-stop love chasing them to the very end. So he is perfectly pure. His light nourishes us like the sun does the earth. His light has healing qualities and his light guides us on the paths of truth. God is light. It is the very nature of who he is. Now, his powerful light affects everything. When, when a in 1666, when Isaac Newton uh, um, started to work with light and make all of these discoveries of light, here's what he discovered. He discovered that when light passes through a prism, a variety of colors emerge, some brilliant, some with some subdued shades, and everything that we see, all of the color, everything that, that has color and gives kind of um, beauty and distinction to this world, all it is based on actually physical light, but it is the same thing with God. God can touch and does touch every aspect of our lives. The light of God is every, oh, that's my granddaughter. What a fine set of lungs. She's gonna sing in the choir one day. Let's go, Lana. Okay, hallelujah. You know that's Cuban right there, right? Mm-hmm. The light of God covers everything and touches everything and everything that we actually can see is because of his light. If we can see, it's because of the light of God. And you know what's awesome is that even though God is holy, powerful, and even, even terrifying in a sense, at the, at the same time, there are facets of who he is where he is merciful, loving, and so desiring to be so near you and me. It's an amazing thing about who God is. He's perfectly pure, perfectly powerful. Oh, she's still going. I can hear her from here. Can you hear her? Can you hear her in Philly? She's still going. 
ushers, could you please? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so the thing about the light of God is it gives sight, spiritual sight, understanding to everything. And God wants to fellowship with us in that light. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I, I need to lay this down in the introduction. Here's the thing about spiritual light. Very, very important to the people of God. Spiritual light, listen to this, spiritual light exposes us, but only to God and ourselves. This is why you can relax. Spiritual light exposes us, but only to God and ourselves. Whenever someone is actually exposed by God, typically it's because they have rejected over and over and over and over. And then God in his mercy and God wanting to protect even people who are impacted by a deed of darkness, God exposes. But whenever God exposes someone, it is an expression of his mercy. You see, but you can know that God loves you and just because God exposes you to yourself and to him, that's where he wants to keep it. Now, the reason why this is important is because some people, there's something, a condition called photophobia and the medical de it's the medical definition of light sensitivity. It's an intolerance to light that causes discomfort or pain. When you become a Christian, remember, you used to be a child of darkness, and now you become a child of light. But when, you've, when you grew up in places or come from places where you were used to the dark, and now all of a sudden the light, the holiness of God, and you're like, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel bad about this? Why am I here and I don't feel well? It's just the light of God shining, but don't worry because God is purifying you. That's a good thing. You know, we prayed today. It's a good thing to be convicted so that the Holy Spirit is telling you, I don't like this for you. This is not good for you. How many would say amen to that? Amen. So look, the, the Bible says two things about God that are crucial. God is light and God is love. His light exposes, but his love covers. Love covers a multitude of sin. And so a lot of times people say, well, I won't go to church because if I go to church, uh, I'll get struck by lightning or the building will, will fall down. How many know if God wanted to strike you with lightning, it wouldn't, you wouldn't have to come to church? <laughs> right? It's a miracle he didn't. How many would say Amen. But that is a sign of his love. Just because he sees you and knows you doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Love covers a multitude of sin. You see, his love covers us. Anybody here thankful for the mercy of Jesus? Could we just stop and celebrate his mercy? Hallelujah. So God wants to fellowship with you. God wants to fellowship, God wants to have a relationship with you and a true relationship is based on fellowship. 
God wants to minister to you. He wants to be with you. He wants to comfort you and strengthen you. God wants to fellowship with his people. And when we fellowship with him, we have to step into the light. If you have some spiritual photophobia, you don't have to be afraid of God. You don't have to be afraid of things that are good for you. You don't have to be afraid of things that are godly. You don't have to be afraid, you know, what do they say, uh, what's that phrase, FOMO, fear of missing out. You don't, have to, you don't have to say, well, I'm not, if I'm in the world, I'm going to miss out. You ain't missing out on anything. Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> Keep walking into the light because he wants to be with you and fellowship with you. And when you're in that light and when you're with him and in him, everything gets better. So today, uh, the, there's two application points, and I want to I wanna talk about, uh, man, this is an unusually quiet sermon. I knew it, there was just something about this topic, right? But today, I, I, uh, there are two ways that you develop the right kind of light sensitivity, and that's what I want to go over in the next few moments. So first of all, if we want to have the right kind of light sensitivity, and you do have to develop this, number one, we have to become conscious of what we're comfortable with. We have to, be, we have to become conscious of what we're comfortable with. God wants you to become comfortable with him and his light and uncomfortable without him and spiritual darkness. God wants to grow your walk with him, your light sensitivity, so that whenever you get near spiritual darkness, you're not comfortable with that. God wants you to be happy in the light. He wants you to love the light. We should be, we are children of light. When you're born again, you become a child of light. Hallelujah. And so he wants us to love the light and to be comfortable with light, and you, as a, as a child of God, remember, we all come from different places. You know, look, look, you think about the difference between Moses and Joshua. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's palace, you know? He didn't grow up in a, in a, in a godly home. He grew up in Pharaoh's palace. He had to sort out all kinds of things as he was getting this revelation of who God is. And, and I think about the, where I grew up versus my son, the house that he grew up. My dad wasn't throwing the Bible on my bed when I was a baby, reading the Bible with me. It's a whole different world. But it doesn't matter. Wherever you are, wherever you've been, right from there, God wants to take you by the hand, walk in fellowship, and he's going to teach you and show you this is not good for you. This is great for you. And so we actually can develop little by little, we can develop the right kind of comfort, and, but you have to be aware of it. You have to be aware of it because sometimes it's like a, I remember speaking to a, 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 a young woman who said to me, I grew up, with um, a home that since we were little, you know, uh, to be promiscuous sexually, was, there was nothing wrong with that. 
So it just, I don't see why, I don't see what's wrong, I don't see the, the sacredness of sex, any of those things. I, I just, it just, that's the world I grew up in, just didn't make sense. And I, and I so you start to say, look at what the Bible says. You, you, you start to say, if that's the truth, then why are people so hurt when, when a mom or dad cheat? Why does that affect kids so much? It's because there are certain things that just because you want to do it doesn't mean it's good for you or the people around you. So some things are dark, some things are light, and you don't go based on your feelings. You go based on the word of God. The word of God will teach you what to be comfortable with and what to be uncomfortable with until you, like, you literally start to walk in it. That's why we read the Bible. And as we read the Bible, we start to gain an understanding. We start to understand the difference between light and dark. How do you know what's dark? The Bible tells you. And here's what the Bible will tell you. The Bible will tell you that there are dark words dark images, dark environments, dark relationships, and dark perspectives. You see? All, wherever we go, we're contending with these things, and it's just a reality of life. Let me give you a classic example. I kind of, I chuckle about this all the time. So I have a, a, a pastor friend who, um, has been a real blessing to me. And I, I think he's a godly person. But he grew up in a spiritual culture where they say replacement curse words. You can laugh, that's okay. So, you know what a replacement curse word is, right? You know them all the time. Sometimes people say this instead of that. They say this instead of that. I used to laugh when I was in high school. I, one of the basketball coaches was, I think he was a Christian, and when he would get upset, he would go, ah, duck soup. <laughs> and we used to fall down laughing, you know. So, um, but some people, they have replacement curse words, and when he says them, I'm like, oh, snap. And actually, I had him do like a teaching for us, and it was funny to watch our staff members because uh, he said them two or three times. He wasn't cursing. They were replacement curse words, right? And they were close. And, uh, and it was funny because I was watching the staff and they were like, and I was just laughing. I said, it's all good. It's all good. That's just, that's kind of their culture. That's where he grew up. And when he stands before God, we'll, we'll figure out whether that was okay. For me, I'm like, I don't, I don't feel good about that. You know, here's the way I think about it, right? The Bible, the, the Bible says, and if, I, I actually have it here. Listen to this. What the, are you guys uncomfortable? I, I talked about comfortability, right? <laughs> so listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, nor is it fitting to use language which is obscene, profane, or vulgar. Rather, you should give thanks to God. So the Bible says we should watch our language. Now, just because, let's say I came from that kind of culture, right? Maybe I didn't have the light that I needed. I could even be your pastor. That's why when I preach, read the word. Don't just go by what I say. Read the Bible. Come on, in Philly, read the word of God. 
I'm not telling you to mistrust me. I'm telling you to verify. I'm telling you that my job is to preach the word, not Al Toledo's opinions. But what I'm trying to get at is we'll get there one day. We'll figure it all out. God will take care of all of those things. But the truth of the matter is, is that there are dark words. There are dark relationships. There are dark environments. There are places that the environment is dark. Dark things are happening there right? And you can't fellowship with God there. One of the, look, let's take words for a quick second, is how do you know if a word is not a good word? Here's a double test. Number one, if you say it in front of a seven-year-old, well, they go, hey, ma, is that okay? (laughs) Right? That's number one. Number two, if it conjures an ugly thought in people, then it's not good. Because why should your mouth elicit an ugly thought in someone else? Right? But so, so there are ways for us to develop a sensitivity, a comfort with all of those different areas, whether it be your friends or whether it be what you do at home or where you go. Remember, what is the key? Okay, what is the key? The key is God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. And in a sense, he's saying, I will not fellowship with you if you're in the dark. I knew it was gonna be a quiet Sunday, Lord. But you know what? Listen, if you're in the dark, you could call upon God and he'll hear you. You can call upon God from the darkest place that you created, and guess what? Not only will he hear you, he'll even deliver you. How many are thankful for the mercy of God? But here's what he won't do. He won't fellowship with you there. He'll just pull you out. Maybe that's why David said this. David said in one of the, in one of the Psalms, could you throw that up? Listen to what he said. He said, keep me from wanting to do wrong and from joining evil people in their wickedness. May I never take part in their feasts. I don't want to party, oh Lord, in the dark. I don't want to do that, is what David was saying. Good people may punish me and rebuke me in kindness. Here's what he was saying. I'd rather a good person, a person who's in the light, a person who knows the word, I'd rather him correct me and rebuke me because I know it's good for me. That's a rare thing. That's a rare thing to hear. I'd rather be rebuked if I'm wrong. If it, I'd rather be rebuked if I'm moving towards the darkness and someone jolts me out of into a, and helps me to wake up. This is what he was saying. Let them rebuke me in kindness, but I will never accept honor from evil people. Oh, snap. Because I'm always praying against the evil deeds. So here's what he was saying, if they could send a keyboard player out. Here's what he was saying, Philly. He was saying, you know what? Even though I want to be successful, even though I want to accomplish great things, even though I I, I want to do great things and I want to experience wonderful things, here's what David was saying. The one thing I don't want is to be honored for dark things. I don't want anything to do with that. So God, 
help me to become comfortable with the light and uncomfortable with darkness. Could I get a whisper, amen? amen. <laughs> yes. Because when we're in the light, God is holding us. When we're in the light, he's helping us. When we're in the light, he's healing us. When we're in the light, he's growing us. When you're in the light, God is doing so many amazing things. And that's why the Bible says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Come on, this is good. I'm bringing back my own amen button. Let's go. Very, very good. So the first thing is, we have to become conscious of what we're comfortable with. What are you comfortable with? Okay, and how does it line up with God? And whenever you have a question, just go to the Word. If you can't find it in the Word, fine, talk it out with godly people, and then maybe they can lead you to the Word. But it's so good to be aware. If, you're not, if you get too comfortable with things that are not good for you, that's how you could get trapped. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So... That's the first thing. Number two, we have to develop, this is kind of the other side of the coin, we have to develop a godly conscience. Conscience. A godly conscience is important to serving God or not serving God. So you know what I mean by conscience, right? It means that there's a part of you, right? There's a part of you that sometimes when you go to do something or when, you, or when you don't do something that you should do, there's a part of you that in your heart, especially, especially the, the word of God, the law is written on people's hearts. People know right and wrong. But especially when you're a child of God, even more so, the Holy Spirit like goes, don't say, it. You, you, come on. How many have had that moment where you're about to say it and the Holy Spirit is saying, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Right? You know what I'm talking about. And sometimes you say it, and after you say it, there's like, oh. And anybody, have you ever had your conscience like struck? Like you want to talk about lightning, like, ouch. I just grieve the Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll raise, you don't have to, I'll raise my hand. Okay? So there's a way to develop a godly conscience 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 and a godly conscience is very very imp uh, uh, important in order to serve God or not serve him watch these two verses this is very very powerful very very important listen to this Hebrews 9:14 says this how much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished pure and perfect to God Cleanse our, everyone, consciences. The blood of Jesus washes our consciences. No other faith, no other religion, no other process is able to wash the human conscience. Anybody here happy for the blood of Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
He washes you in Philadelphia. He wants to wash you even when we fail him. That's why Jesus came. He came so that even when we fail, his blood can wash our hearts. We don't have to walk around in shame. We don't have to walk around in guilt. We don't have to walk around like God doesn't love us. We can know that we know because he shed his blood. Hallelujah. And your conscience can be clean. Hallelujah. Let the blood of Jesus clean your conscience. But watch this. Look at what it says. It says, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that, everyone say so that. So that what? So that we may serve the living God. You can't serve God with a conscience that's not clean. And that's why you can't like keep acting like, you know, you don't have to deal with whatever secret it is secret that you and God know. You have to go to God if you want to fellowship with God and say, Lord, I want to get right with you. Here's the other side of it. This is the other side of the spectrum. 1 Timothy 4.2. The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith. Okay? So some people will walk away from God is what this is saying. Okay, this is talking about Christians because unbelievers don't abandon the faith. You have to be in the faith to abandon the faith. So it says, listen to this. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, in the last days, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Wow, this is getting strong. What is this saying is, it's that, it's that it is possible to actually be in the faith and then find yourself completely deceived by the devil. How does that happen? Such teachings come through hypocritical liars, watch this, whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. So it's possible to have your conscience, which is supposed to be tender and sensitive to God, it's possible to actually reject the truth so much that it actually gets numb. You, you, you lose your feeling in your conscience. So a sensitive conscience is very, very important, but not sensitive just for the sake of being sensitive. It's sensitive to God. It's sensitive to his light. Listen to this. This is like so important. How do I describe what we're talking about? How do I describe someone who's who hasn't developed a godly conscience? It's a lot like this. It's a lot like hot water that then you drop a bag of tea. Can I put this on? I want you to watch this. Let's, I want you to watch the impact of this tea bag. Slowly, slowly, it starts to change the purity of the water. Slowly, slowly, the water that was completely clear all of a sudden starts to become dark. 
So that's what can happen to our spirit if we don't get washed, how many know the blood of Jesus makes the water clean all over again? We get clean, right? But listen, listen, it is possible that because of what you've been doing, what you've been watching, who you've been hanging with, choices you've been making, causes you've, you've joined with, and all of these different things, it's possible that your conscience, it starts to just get numb to things that are good for you, helpful to you, holy, helpful, powerful. And how does it happen? Little by little, you start to steep in the things of the world. You start to steep in places of darkness. God, keep us running. How many want to run towards the light? We want to run towards the light. And Philly, run towards the light. Run away from things that are not of God. Run away from principles. Run away from perspectives. You know, someone was telling me the other day, I, I was talking to someone the other day, and I said, hey, every once in a while, I, I hear you really go in on politics. And he goes, are you really into politics? I said, not at all. I said, I just see how it stirs Christians up so much. That that's why I try to get them like, hey, yes. Leaders in the world can be crazy. How many know? But Jesus is on the throne. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if you have fellowship with God, even in crazy times, he will keep you. He'll keep your family and he'll keep your children. Come on, somebody say amen to that. He's powerful, he's good, he's mighty. But there's, a, there's this comfortability with light. There's a, there's a sensitive conscience that you wanna develop. And look, the, the, the last, I wanna give you a last example. And, and then we're gonna pray for a moment. But a great, one of the greatest theologians of the Christian church was St. Augustine. I mean, St. Augustine has written more profound, insightful, um, material, I think more than any other theologian, just uh, he, he wrote the arguments for the existence of God, so many things, and, but he had, a, he had quite a checkered history and um, in his confessions, he says something that is so powerful and profound and this is one of the keys to really developing a godly Conscience. So listen closely to what he said and I actually want to illustrate it. Okay, he said, I had my back to the light and my face towards the things upon which light fell. I've actually used this illustration here before. He said, hence my face by which I looked upon the things that were lit up was not itself in the light. Let me read it one more time. Watch this. I had my back to the light and my face towards, towards, turned toward the things upon which the light fell. Hence, my face, everybody say my face. My face by which I looked upon the things that were lit up was not itself in the light. So this is the key. 
One of the keys, this is what I'm praying for you. Okay, watch this. Okay, so here's what, what Augustine was basically saying. Okay, so he was saying, we're gonna make things dark for a second. He was saying, I kept looking at life like this. And my prayer is that some believers today would make a change. Okay, because it's very possible, it's very, very possible to experience the light of God like this. Okay, so here's what he's saying. He said, I was looking at things that, that the light of God would shine on and I would make judgments. A lot of people do that. So for example, let's take politics. You get, that's wrong and that's right and this and this is more godly and like there's all of these things and all, you might be right. But what about you? So what he was saying is, even though I could judge things like a Christian, it, I, I, even though I had knowledge like a Christian, I still wasn't experiencing the light the way God really wanted it was not like this, but like this. God, his face is full of light. God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. God is inviting you in Philadelphia, here in Chicago. God is inviting us to have fellowship in the light of his glory. And here's how you know this is true. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to summarize this very powerful and profound spiritual principle. Listen to what he said. He said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in everyone, the face of Christ. What is this whole sermon about? This whole sermon is about an invitation. You have a standing invitation, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, on your worst day, on your best day. I'm so grateful for that, okay? On my worst day, I have a standing invitation to look in the face of Jesus. God wants you to look in the face of Jesus and he will meet you and fellowship with you and minister to you. The king of the universe wants to be face to face with you.